0: This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in on the action yourself with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com voiceofallmtg. We'd like to thank our newest patrons, Jay Pizzle, Callum, Riversong, and Meat Reaver, for already donating. For more stories or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com. And now, Voice of All presents Rallying the Reluctant Episode 3 of War of the Spark
1: Mr. Jace Bellerin, the former Living Guild Pact, had given the telepathic order.
2: Retreat. We need a plan. Contact every planeswalker and guildmaster you can find. Meet us at the Azorius Senate. Now.
1: Well, there's now... And there's now. Mistress Kaya was still determined to make it to Orjova first, and about 10 minutes later, with Teo and I in tow, she succeeded. But pretty soon it felt like that was all she'd succeeded at. She was immediately greeted by Madame Blaze, her chief servitor. In an attempt to rally the Orzhov to fight Bolas and his Eternals, Mistress Kaya asked Madame Blaze to call a meeting with syndicate authorities, starting with matriarch Tesa Karlov, head of the Orjovs' leading oligarch family. Five minutes later, Major Karlov sent her regrets, claiming she was still confined to her quarters, but she had already arranged for an already frustrated and angry Mistress Kaya to meet with a trio of big shots, each of whom had, I guess, assumed more power over the Church since Kaya had assassinated its former rulers, the Obzadot Ghost Council. Known collectively as the Triumvirate, these big shots came in one at a time, each accompanied by a small thrill on a leash that did nothing, as far as I could tell, except make their masters look more important. Pontiff Armin Morav was a human, the patriarch of the Morav oligarchs. He was very old, with graying skin and absolutely no hair, looking very much as if he were already well prepared to join a reformed Obsidot. Tithemaster Slavimir Zoltan was a dangerously handsome vampire and Mistress Maladola was an angel, a long-ago defector from the Boros Legion, who now acted as the Orzhov's chief warrior executioner. Mistress Kaya also asked Madame Blaze to fetch Mr. Tomik Vrona, who was Matriarch Karlov's assistant, but Madame Blaze returned to report that Mr. Vrona could not be found and apparently wasn't within the cathedral's walls. I knew, from following Master Zurek and Mistress Kaya around for Hikara, that Tomek was Kaya's friend, and I could see and feel her frustration fade, instantly replaced by worry, given the current conditions of Ravnica's streets. So, with Mr. Vrona absent and Matriarch Karlov abstaining, the six of us, or nine if you count the thralls, entered a grand cabinet big enough to hold ten times that many folk, and the Triumvirate did not sit close to Mistress Kaya or each other, forcing everyone to shout everything that was said in order to be heard over their own echoes. Mistress Kaya tried to explain about the dangers Bolas and the Eternals presented to Ravnica, the guilds, and the Planeswalkers. Pontiff Morov, amidst an elaborate apology to his new Planeswalking Guildmaster, didn't see why Planeswalkers should be of any concern to the Orzhov. Still,
3: I am happy to issue a church edict condemning the Eternals' harvesting of these Planeswalker sparks. Is that the correct term? Well, no matter. We'll play with the wording.
1: Tithemaster Zoltan couldn't quite justify the expense of joining the battle.
3: Tithes have been down in these difficult times, and it hasn't helped that you keep forgiving debts, Guildmaster. Let's allow things to settle, shall we? The economics of the war may look much better after it's over. A rebuilding phase in the city always brings in more revenue.
1: Mistress Maladola was the only one of the three who seemed even vaguely inclined to help. In any case, she briefly spoke of her itch to join the fight. But Tithemaster Zoltan shot her a raised eyebrow look, and Pontiff Murav shook his jowly head very slightly, and the executioner quickly changed her tune.
2: If our new guildmaster would lead the charge, I'm sure the church executioners would be pleased to provide her with an honor guard. At least to accompany her to the summit meeting at the Azorius
4: Senate. I don't need a token guard. I can take care of myself. You're missing the- Please, Guildmaster. We insist. Do we not?
1: Tithemaster Zoltan and Pontiff Morav concurred that they did, with the vampire adding-
3: Appearances at least mandate you be accompanied as far as the Senate House.
1: And no farther. Mistress Kaya glowered so hotly, I thought she might catch fire.
4: Listen to me. You don't seem to comprehend the danger this entire world is facing.
3: I imagine if things are that grave,
4: the Living Guild
3: Pact will finally show his face and solve things.
4: Baleran has shown his face. He's here and fighting alongside the rest of us. He's part of this Gatewatch organization that I gather guards the multiverse from threats like Bolas. He and another planeswalker, Gideon Jura, are doing their best to lead the forces opposing Bolas. But as Living Guild Pact, he's lost his authority, his powers. He can't just fix this for us.
2: It's up to- Without his authority and power, what use is the man?
3: Indeed. Why would we follow someone who squandered such opportunities? Perhaps the most prudent thing would be to pull back our forces to a defensible position here at the Cathedral Opulent and wait things out.
4: In a few days, the situation may look very different. In a few days, the situation may look irretrievable.
3: Well, I I suppose we'll know soon enough, Guildmaster.
1: We exited the cabinet together. More or less. The Triumvirate were eager to go their several ways, but was delayed when the Pontiff and the Tithe Master's thralls got their leashes all tangled. While they were sorting that out, with almost comic difficulty, I heard a loud stomping sound from behind me. Turning, I saw an armored giant, twelve feet tall with a helm that revealed no features whatsoever, approach Mistress Kaya.
5: Guildmaster, I am Belogru, Chief Enforcer for the Church Militant. I was told you might require my services.
2: Well, Guildmaster, perhaps we can build your honor guard around this great pillar.
1: Both Mistress Kaya and the giant ignored her.
4: You're an enforcer.
1: Charged with collecting syndicate
4: debts?
5: Precisely, Guildmaster.
1: Would you not agree,
4: then, that the guild's debts would be considerably more difficult to collect if the Dragon's Eternals murder every debtor on Ravnica, along with every debtor's offspring? Not to mention every member of the syndicate.
1: Mr. Billigrew nodded down at her and grumbled.
5: Ghosts and spirits have run things inside Orzova for so long, everyone forgets that most of the collectings done by the living. I can take my enforcers, and what I can raise of the syndicate's military might out into the streets to protect Orzova investments.
4: That, Chief Enforcer, would be much appreciated by your guildmaster.
5: I live to serve.
4: I, I don't think that will- oh, There is, of course, another alternative. I can render all debt collection moot by forgiving every single debt
1: this instant. The pontiff, looking slightly panicked, immediately and literally backed off, nearly tripping over his tangled thrall in the process.
3: <sighs> no, Guildmaster, nothing that extreme will be
4: necessary. Much that is extreme will be necessary before this day is out.
1: With the thralls finally untangled, the Triumvirate took their leave. Mistress Kaya turned to Teo and me. Time to go. I felt very important, and also pretty lonely, as I entered the Senate house at Mistress Kaya and Teo's side. I longed to find Hikara among the crowd, to find it had all been a big mistake and she was still alive. But not only was she not there, no one from the cult of Rakdos had shown up from the summit. We were told that Lord Rakdos blamed Master Zarek, Mistress Kaya, Miss Lavinia, and Mistress Vraska, who wasn't there either, for the death of Emissary Hikara, and had declined to send any representative at all in protest. Likewise, with Mistress Vraska gone, there was no one from the Golgari Swarm, and word was spreading through the chamber that dumb Domri was dead. Turns out he was a planeswalker and got his spark harvested by an Eternal. Akamal and the twins had gone with him. I wondered if they were dead too. Anyway, nobody was here from the Grill clans either. Since both Golgari and Gryll had been left leaderless, with no one, or maybe too many, stepping up to take charge, I suppose they couldn't summon up anyone for the summit. House Demir also appeared to be a no-show, and the Selesnia Conclave had retreated behind their borders meaning half of the ten guilds were providing absolutely no help to the cause. Look, if Gateless Me is the only person even close to being a Grohl, Rakdos, or Silesian ambassador, we're all in trouble. Presentable, I'm not. Things weren't much better with the other guilds, either. The Azorius Senate guildmaster, the already infamous Dovan Bon, had, like Mistress Vraska, been working with Bolas... He wasn't attending the summit, even in his own seat of power. Miss Lavinia and a few old-school Azorius were here, having formally disavowed Bon and his leadership. But they had no real authority over their guild. The bylaws of the Senate still listed Bonn as guildmaster, and the Azorius do love their bylaws. And the Orzhov Syndicate? Well, Mistress Kaya got the honor guard she hadn't asked for, and I guess Chief Billigrew had taken his enforcers into the streets to kill Eternals. But otherwise, Matriarch Karlov and the Triumvirate were barely paying lip service to being on their guildmaster's side. As Master Zarek said,
2: The Orzov are stingy about paying anything, lip service included.
1: All told, that meant only the Izzet League, led by Master Zarek and Chamberlain Marie, the Boros Legion, led by its guildmaster, Mistress Aurelia, And the Simic Combine, led by Mr. Voril, theoretically with the full support of his Guildmaster, Prime Speaker Vanifar, had shown up in force. I was eavesdropping on Master Zarek, still honoring Hikaru's request for no good reason, when he spoke to Chamberlain
2: Marie. 50% won't be enough no matter how we squeeze this, will it?
1: I'm sorry, Guildmaster.
4: But even 90% won't be enough. We tried to play percentages
1: last time. When Niv-Mizzet was alive, we might have been able to get by with eight to ten guilds... with him dead. So Master Niv-Mizzet's dead, too. seemed like there were all sorts of folk I'd seen recently. Hikara, Niv-Mizzet, Dumb Domri, who went off and died shortly thereafter. I decided to stick as close as possible to Teo and Mistress Kaya.
2: With the Firemind dead, the only option is Operation Desperation.
1: Operation Desperation? And for that to succeed, you'll need cooperation from ten of ten guilds. There can be no exceptions!" Master Zurek nodded.
2: Bring me options.
1: He didn't exactly look hopeful that there'd be any, but the Chamberlain nodded curtly and dutifully walked away. Mr. Jura and Mr. Bellerin were standing in front of the late Mistress Asperia, former guildmaster of the Azorius Senate, current statue decorating the Senate Hall. I was eavesdropping again. (laughs) and You don't have to tell me it's a nasty habit. I already know. But it's also a useful habit. At times, a necessary one.
2: Sphinxes. Bigger troublemakers than dragons.
1: Mr. Jura raised an eyebrow.
2: Than all dragons, but one. Didn't know you had
5: such a problem with sphinxes.
2: Homorrit, Azor, Hesperia. Never met a sphinx who wasn't arrogant, aloof, pain in my- Whoa, whoa, whoa.
5: Hesperia did a lot of good on Ravnica. In fact, if Raska hadn't turned her to stone, we might be in a much better-
2: Raska's vengeance was well earned. You don't know her. You don't know her story.
5: I suppose I don't.
1: It occurred to me then that Mr. Balerion was at least a little bit in love with Mistress Raska. I thought about that and figured they'd make a really cute couple. Mr. Jura put a calming hand on Mr. Balerion's shoulder. At first, the latter gentleman looked about ready to knock it off, but he took a deep breath and even managed a weak smile.
5: We need to get to it. The longer we're sequestered in here, the more damage Bolas and his army can do out there. So take a minute, compose your thoughts, and let's call this meeting to order.
1: Mr. Balerion nodded and started to walk away, before pausing.
2: You're a good friend, Gideon. I don't know if I've ever told you that.
5: I'm quite sure you haven't, but to be fair, I don't think I've ever said it to you either. I'm a little bit ashamed you beat me to it, old friend.
1: Mr. Bellerin smiled again, looking simultaneously boyish and old. He was lean, fit, tan, and apparently in love. But the weight of Bolus's attack clearly weighed on his slightly stooped shoulders, and it revealed the age in his face. Watching him go, Mr. Jura straightened his back and then turned to scan the crowd, which was short on guild representation, but heavy on planeswalkers, including himself and Mr. Bellerin, Master Zurek, Mistress Kaia, Teo, and many, many more, many whose names I hadn't yet caught. One of the planeswalkers had even brought his dog, who had two tails and the softest fur. Mr. Dak Faden, a local psychometrist and thief, whose excellent work in the latter discipline I'd been surreptitiously studying for the last couple of years turned out to be another planeswalker, kinda explaining how I'd lost track of him on more than one occasion. He was flirting a bit with Miss Rye, complimenting her on the style and cut of her dress, while eyeing the gold filigree jewelry she wore all over her person. <laughs> she appeared both flattered and cautious, which seemed appropriate. Mr. Bellerin returned, nodding to Mr. Jura, who nodded back. It was time, I suppose... So I scurried back over to Teo and Mistress Kaya.
0: So, what were you talking about over there?
1: I listened, more than I talked. He smiled at me.
0: You... listened? Really?
1: I elbowed him in the ribs. Ow! But he didn't lose the (laughs) smile. It's a very nice smile. Oh boy, don't get used to it, Arathia. He's a walker, and when this fight's over, he's just gonna walk away. Together, we watched Mr. Bellerin and Mr. Jura step up to the front of the dais. Mr. Bellerin enhanced his voice magically to fill the hall.
2: Let's bring this to order, please. We need a plan. And you two strategic geniuses think you can come up
5: with one?
1: It came from a demon man in the corner. A planeswalker. Obnixilus, they called him. And most everyone was giving him a wide berth. Except Mr. Pencil Mustache Planeswalker, who had earlier made a sincere effort with insincere motives, maybe, to buddy up with old Mr. Ugly-Ob. A low buzz rose up from the crowd. No one seemed to like the Demon Man, but it was clear Plenty shared his opinion. Mr. Baleran's tenure as the Living Guild Pact had been... inconsistent, and his leadership wasn't universally recognized by Ravnikans. Or by planeswalkers, apparently.
5: There'll be time for everyone to have their say. But standing around muttering to each other isn't getting us anywhere. So how about we stow the snide comments for the time being, and listen?
1: There was another, briefer collective murmur, but that was followed by an uneasy silence Mr. Bellarin took advantage of.
2: We face a number of problems. Five, to be exact. Some of you are aware of all of them, but many have only just arrived and haven't had the opportunity to get your heads around the whole picture. So let me offer some clarity now.
1: He shot a glance at Master Zarek, who shrugged.
2: One. The Izzet Beacon is luring more and more planeswalkers to Ravnica, where they run the risk of becoming more fuel for Bolus's power.
1: As if on cue, another planeswalker materialized in the middle of the crowd amid a flash of turquoise light. He was an older man, with turquoise eyes and a carefully trimmed white beard. Mr. Jura leaned over and whispered something to Mr. Bellerin, but I was too far away to hear.
2: We need to disable the beacon which is under Izzet and Azorius' guard at the aptly named Beacon Tower. Getting there may be difficult, but the real problem is the machine itself, which was built with safeguards to prevent Bolas from shutting it off. Brilliant.
1: Snorted the planeswalking Minotaur I'd seen materialize in the plaza earlier that day.
5: How you fools love to play right into the dragon's claws!
1: Miss Watley countered from across the room.
3: As you did, by coming
6: here.
1: The Minotaur <laughs> snorted again but said nothing more. I decided I liked Miss Watley quite a bit.
2: Problem number two. The Immortal Sun. Once the beacon summons the walkers to Ravnica, the sun keeps them trapped here. So, like the beacon, we need to shut the sun down. It's not far from here, one of the new Prav Towers, being guarded by the new Azorius Guildmaster, Dovin Bond, who we've learned is a pawn of Nicol Bolas. Three. The planar bridge from Amonket allows a seemingly endless army of Eternals to enter Ravnica and slay planeswalkers lured by the beacon and held by the sun. We have to shut it down, and we can only do that from the Amonket side.
1: Misamu called out. I've tried to planeswalk back to Amonket, but the immortal sun- I
2: know, and we can't wait for problem two to be solved, so we'll utilize the portal itself to travel to Amonket.
1: Miss Ballard scoffed. (coughs) While the Eternals march out of
6: it? That sounds like a great plan for committing suicide.
1: Mr. Ballarin actually smiled at this.
2: There are steps we could take to make it only a mediocre plan for committing suicide.
1: I'm game. Mr. Ballarin thanked her with another smile. But, turning to Mr. Jura, his smile quickly faded. And when he spoke again, it was as if he was addressing his next point to Mr. Jura alone. As if he half expected him to challenge him on it. Problem four,
2: Liliana Vess. She's clearly controlling the Eternals for Bolas.
1: Ah, Miss Ravenhair's name is Liliana Vess. Good to know.
2: We need to make sure she can't do that anymore.
1: Ever. Mr. Jura said nothing.
2: (sighs) Finally, five. Bolas himself. Though if we can't deal with the first four problems, the fifth is pretty damn hopeless.
1: Another general murmur pretty much echoed the sense of hopelessness. Mr. Jura stepped forward.
5: There's a sixth problem. We have a responsibility to protect ordinary Ravnikans, since none would be in danger if not for Bolus's hunger for planeswalker sparks.
1: Mr. Bellerin put a hand on his shoulder.
2: That's right. Six problems. Seven. We need to reconstitute the Guild Pact by uniting all ten guilds. Without the Guild Pact's combined might, we'll never truly stand a chance against the dragon.
6: You tried that already.
1: Mr. Voril pointed at Mistress Sisperia's remains.
6: Look at the result. Isperia’s dead, and today you couldn't even assemble representatives of all ten guilds during Revnica's greatest moment of crisis. What? in the world makes you think you can reconstitute the Guild Pact now.
1: Another wave of murmurs threatened to become a roar, but Master Zarek enhanced his own voice with magic. It buzzed and crackled as he spoke over the crowd.
2: I'm honestly not sure we can, but we must try. The Firemind left behind one final stratagem. It's a bit desperate.
6: More desperate than his last stratagem? Yes, in fact. But it might be our only chance.
2: All right, all right, all right. Seven goals, or six, anyway, if we're going to subtract going after Bolas for the time being. I propose splitting up our collective forces to achieve these goals.
1: The murmuring instantly started up again, and the buzz was less than enthusiastic. One planeswalker, an Avon, whose name I didn't know, said,
3: What if we surrendered? Uh, Throw
2: ourselves on the mercy of Bolas?
1: Mr. Faden turned to the Avon.
2: I don't think Bolas is the merciful type. You probably didn't see it, but a planeswalker named Domri Raid attempted to switch sides and join up with the dragon. He was the first planeswalker harvested.
1: Another planeswalker, a woman with jet black hair and glowing green eyes, spoke. Then let's go into hiding. At some point, Bolas himself will want to planeswalk. He'll have
4: Bond shot off the Immortal Sun, and we'll all escape.
6: That is your solution. Hide and abandon Ravnica to the Eternals and the Dragon. You planeswalkers are the reason Bolas is here. The reason Ravnica is in danger.
1: He turned to the Avon.
6: But I like your idea. The surrender, an enforced surrender, if necessary, of your type would allow Bolas to eat his fill. Once sated, he'll leave Ravnica alone. Bolas is never sated.
1: It was yet another planeswalker, a woman carrying a longbow. An equally bitter Miss Samud agreed. That is the truth.
6: Fine, but let me make this clear, planeswalkers. If you hide while Ravnica burns, you will find little help or succor from its citizens and guilds.
5: Maybe we should surrender.
1: Mr. Bellerin looks quite exasperated. I kind of felt sorry for him, you know. Miss Samut stepped forward. Gideon Jura, it is noble of you to wish to make such a sacrifice, but do not forget the fate of Amonkhet. She turned to face the crowd. Bolas left my world completely desolated. Even now, a mere handful of survivors struggle to defeat the monsters that Nicol Bolas left behind to slaughter us. Bolas, will not leave Ravnica as he found it.
0: Bolas is never sated. There is literally nothing left of my world, Scala, thanks to him. The dragon must die.
1: There were shouts of "Die!" at this, followed by more shouts that were, you know, less supportive and less polite. It was all falling apart. Miss Lavinia spoke up. One thing is certain. If we fight among ourselves, we stand no chance against Bolas. Mr. Aurelius shouted. Hear, hear! The fate of Amon Monquette and Scala must not befall Ravnica. I noticed Mr. Goldmane reach out a hand to Mr. Jura, who took it and stepped down off the dais.
5: Remember your oath, the oath of the
1: Gatewatch.
5: Surrender is not the answer, my friend. The archer is right, and you know it. One such as Bolas will never be sated, nor will he show mercy. He views such things as weakness, and any attempt at such an appeal would only enhance his appetites.
1: Mr. Jura took this in and nodded. Then he made his way to the center of the crowd, moving among the planeswalkers and gilded alike.
5: Now that you know of our existence, you could be forgiven for believing our ability to traverse worlds is an excuse for a planeswalker to always run from a fight. But we of the Gatewatch took an oath to always stay. It was a choice we had the luxury to make, and somehow we thought that choice made us superior. Now we stand among you with that choice taken from us. Now the choice is whether to fight.
1: He unsheathed his black broadsword with a considerable amount of flair.
5: This is Blackblade. It has already slain one elder dragon, and it can destroy Bolus as well. With it, I hereby vow to take back this world. Who's with me?
1: His speech roused the whole crowd, or nearly all of it. Folks began to gather around him. Mr. Goldmane put a hand on his shoulder, and that simple gesture seemed to act as a kind of trigger. From every side, planeswalkers and ravnikans reached out their hands to touch Mr. Jura, or, if farther back, like Teo, Mistress Kaya, and me, to touch someone touching him, as if to draw strength from the strength of his conviction. It was kinda great. We all had a real moment there for a second or two. Well, all of us but Mr. Faden, who snuck up behind Miss Kiora to poach a barehanded touch of her fancy, shiny Bident with his psychometry, and wound up looking a bit like he regretted every single life choice he ever made. <laughs> I was kind of giggling over that when a small is-it goblin entered from a balcony door. Masters! One approaches!
6: It's a of a small army of those undead You got about eleven and a half minutes before these here!
2: Six challenges, six missions. We need volunteers now.
1: Mistress Kaya stepped forward, but Master Zarek intercepted her.
2: I need your help for mission seven.
4: Sorry, I lost count. Which one, Seven?
2: Operation Desperation.
0: Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voices of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed it, you heard, please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or following us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. Rallying the Reluctant was written by Greg Weissman. The podcast was produced and edited by Gendo Okeshi, with sound editing by Noxshade. This week's story featured the voice talents of Madison Dabs, Isa Martell, Voodoo Sudu, Ozzie Sneddon, Eli Lewis, Sharon Grunwald, E. L. Robertson, My Croftian, Abigail Turner, David Ford, Ragna, Penny, Ryan Yoshitani, Caitlin Buckley, Christina Edelman, Inra Zyro, Malachi Gospodarsky, Kit Harrison, Alex Oakley, Fox, Stephanie Malia Morris, Mertia, Emily Doms, J.W. Forsyth, and Jared Rahman. Voice of All is unofficial fan content permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyright. Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening. Y'all have a great day.